uh, is it working? Um, hey, just a quick update. I know that you guys are getting a little uh, tired of this, but thank you so much for, can I say thank you so much for all of you who've given for our Welcome Home Improvement. You've been doing such amazing uh, work in terms of, your generosity is, is amazing. I'm serious. Many of you have given towards our, uh, the, the upgrade on our building so much. So we've been trying to raise money for our sign out front. We received an offering last week. We were trying to raise $28,000, ended up raising around $6,200, $6,200. So we're a little short, but here's the great news. Our church council has decided we are not going into debt to buy a sign. So when the money comes in, it'll come in. Amen? But we're so grateful for all that you've done. And I just want to say on behalf of our church council and all that you guys have given, thank you. It's really amazing to see what we've done. And uh, it's... Uh, it's, it's just, it'll buckle your knees when you just see the generosity of people all around here. So thank you. It's awesome. Hey, quick question. Uh, how many of you know, if you can see it over there, what this is? But maybe, maybe if you're, you're under the age of 40, you don't know. Right? This here, uh, it's kind of, uh, I don't know if you know what this is, right? This is a telephone, right? And uh, that, that actually, this, this stringy thing here, it's actually connected and it's all one unit. All right, Does anybody under 30 doesn't really know what this looked like, right? It used to ring and everything else, right? Uh, there's, there's no LED screen. There, there's no caller ID. Caller ID, remember that we didn't know what caller ID was when we were younger? Remember you just had to say like, hello, who is this? You remember that? Is there anything more anxiety-laden today, answering your phone and not knowing who it is? <laughs> You're like, unknown name, not getting it. Right? <laughs> Come on. This here is a phone. I don't know if many of you know it. It's a, uh, the, specifically, it's a red phone, right? And, and if those of you who, uh, well, I don't know, maybe around 40 plus know what the red phone meant. This is the hotline, right? Remember the hotline? Uh, those of you who don't know what a hotline is, a hotline was, uh, actually it was back in 1963, the United States and the Soviet Union, there was this big fear during the, what they called the Cold War that there was going to be somebody uh, because we were the two big superpowers at the time, the United States and the Soviet Union, there was this incredible fear that someone was going to get happy fingers and push the nuclear button, right? So they established a line between the Soviet Union and the United States. And somewhere in the Oval Office, there was a line that they could actually pick up the phone and say, um, hey, I'm getting a little anxious. Don't push the button, huh? You know, that's the idea, right? There was, the, there was a line, they called it the hotline. Now, historians tell us uh, the truth is it wasn't really a red phone. <laughs> it was actually what they call the teletype, right? You don't know what a teletype is, right? Uh, uh, it would be like old school text messaging, right? So it was, it was what they did. But, but, but all the TV references, notice, uh, maybe uh, some of you who are younger would realize that you, you might, there were different phones that people used. 007 had the in-ear thing. Remember Maxwell Smart had the shoe phone, yeah. right? Come on now. Inspector Gadget had his phones, Right? But this, was, this, this red phone, or the bat phone, somebody said the bat phone, there was this idea that there was this direct line from one party to another party that no one else could get into. A hotline. Could you imagine having the ability to have a hotline to someone, well, like God? Could you imagine having a line to God that you could actually call and access and talk with him, you alone, undisturbed, could you imagine if you had a hotline to heaven? 
I want to talk to you about oh, this for the next three weeks. I want to talk to you about a kind of prayer. I want to talk to you about uh, how to hear the voice of God. I want to talk to you about what, how not to hear the voice of God. I want to talk to you about the fact that we can hear the voice of God and what that really means. So as we embark on this journey today, will you join me as we pray? God, we thank you so much for an opportunity to spend some time in your word. Lord, you're so faithful. Will you help us today as we talk about how to hear your voice? We need you a bunch. There's so many voices that hit us every single day. Help us to hear more clearly what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Could you imagine if you had a hotline to heaven where you could hear his voice speak clearly to you, where you could actually speak clearly to him? Do you imagine you wouldn't have to actually ask everyone else's opinions? You wouldn't have to run around and say, hey, I have this crazy idea. What do you think? You wouldn't even have to consult Google. You could actually talk straight to God. Could you imagine having a hotline to heaven that you could talk straight to God? Hmm. I'm amazed at how much weight we allow from our friends to speak into our lives. I'm amazed at how much how much weight we'll allow our society to communicate its voice into our world. I'm amazed at how, much, uh, how often we allow the voices of our community to speak not biblical things so often that we actually begin to believe them. I'm always amazed when I talk to Christians and they, and they tell me things like, man, pastor, I just wish I knew how to hear God's voice. I just wish I could hear God's voice more clearly in my heart. Oftentimes, those are the same people that come to me uh, at some point in their journey, not being clear on how to hear God's voice. That is, of course, until they, until they need to make a decision on something. I have those same people that say, I want to hear God's voice come to me and say, God told me that I'm supposed to marry him. <laughs> I always think it's amazing how just weeks before they were unclear on how to hear God's voice, but today they're certain. Or how God was so clear to them on buying that car or selling that per property or purchasing that boat or leaving that job or leaving that church because God told me at the same time being unclear on how to hear the voice of the Lord. I always get so, uh, so, so confused when someone comes up to me and drops the God told me jargon <laughs> It's as if I have, I can't trump that. I can't even give an opinion. I can't even say like, hey, hey, let's look at this. Let's see what the Bible says. Because if the God told you language comes up, then we're kind of stuck. Hmm. I'm convinced most of us have a hard time deciphering the voice of the Lord. But I am sure of this one thing. Every single believer has the ability to have access to the throne of God. Every single believer can be led by the Holy Spirit. And every single believer can receive wisdom from God. I believe that with all of my heart, there's not, a, there's not an ounce of doubt in my heart that, that every believer can hear the voice of God clearly. Jesus said in the New Testament, my sheep who know me hear my voice. It says the, the enemy jumps in over the fence of the sheep pen, but God doesn't do that. He stands on the door and knocks and, and he says, listen, invite me in. Every one of us can hear the voice of our shepherd. But most often we choose not to. Why don't we use the hotline to heaven more often? 
Why is it that we not use the hotline to hear the voice of God specifically? If we have the ability to hear God's voice, and if we're able to understand what he has to say, then why so often do we steer clear of what he has to say? I think sometimes, I believe honestly that we're, we're just lazy. And quite frankly, we don't want to be told no. Right? You don't want to ask somebody that's going to have an answer because they're going to tell you no. I remember when I was in college, uh, I was my junior year. I was, uh, gosh, three, uh, I don't know, I was into my junior year a bit. And I had, this, I had this sense that I was supposed to leave college and go off to uh, some other thing. I was going to go do it, right? I was going to leave college. That was the idea. And so I remember having my quiet time and feeling this urgent, urgency that I was supposed to leave college and do it now, right? And so I was like, I, I remember telling my roommate, I'm, I, I heard from the Lord. I'm supposed to go. And he's like, well, you should talk to your, your small group leader. And I was like, no, I heard from God, man. That's exactly it. But maybe we should talk to the pastor of our church. And maybe you could ask him and see if it's like God. No, I heard God. <laughs> I'm doing it, right? And I remember my pastor coming to me the night that I announced that, we were, that I was going to leave college. And he, he pulled me aside and he's like, dude, why didn't you ask? You were just too afraid that I was going to say, don't do it that I was going to talk you out of it. And I was like, no, I heard the Spirit of God talk to me. He said, no, I don't think you did. (laughs) I think a lot of us are just like that. We just don't want to hear no. We believe with all of our hearts that God said marry her or be in that relationship with him or move out of this and get into that and start this, but don't start that. And we're so convinced someone's going to talk us out of it that we start to wrap the bow of God talked to me, God told me stuff around it. It might even sound like God, but the real question is, is the voices that you hear, can you test them to make sure it's God and not you or God and not the devil? Is it possible to hear a voice in your head that you think is God, but it's not? Is it possible to have someone dial your hotline that's not really God? Mm -hmm. It's possible to hear wrong. It's possible not to know exactly what you're supposed to do in and of yourself, because every one of us is prone to listening to stuff. I want to talk to you today about the voice of God in each of our lives and how it is that God wants to communicate to us. Because I believe that the Bible's clear that he wants to communicate to us, he is communicating to us, and he wants us to understand what it is that he's saying. Amen? If you have your Bible, open up to the, bur- the book, the book of 1 Samuel. The book of 1 Samuel. <clears throat> Excuse me. I love the book of 1 Samuel. The book of 1 Samuel takes place in the Old Testament. It's really, uh, the, the chapters 1 through 3 or so talk a lot about this young family. This young family who had been going to what was called the tabernacle at that time. Some of you have heard the phrase tabernacle or temple. And you've got to know this, just to make it super simple for you. The temple was the thing that Solomon built that was built of big, huge stones and cedar and uh, really beautiful gold. That was the temple. The, the tabernacle was before the temple. It was what Moses brought around in the desert. It was basically portable temple. Right? It was like a, a temple in a tent versus the temple made with rocks and st- sticks and stones. Right? So when you hear the tabernacle, the tabernacle was like temporary house of God, Old Testament. Deal? 
So we see this here as this young family had made their journey to what they called the tabernacle. It was the place where they would go and meet with God. And several times a year, the average Jewish person, the normal Jewish person, would migrate their way to where the tabernacle was and they would offer sacrifices, all the stuff that they would do at the temple. And they would, they would, they would communicate with the priest by offering sacrifices and so forth in hopes that their sins could be atoned for or something that they could do to absolve themselves of their guilt and be able to, to, to say, because I'm sinful, I'm offering this sacrifice in hopes that God would forgive me of my sin. That was the whole point of that tabernacle moment. Well, this young family comes to the tabernacle, and as they were there, there, there was a man who had a wife. His wife couldn't conceive a child, and she believed that the reason she wasn't conceiving was because somehow God was not happy with her, God was mad at her, and all that other business. Not true, by the way, but nevertheless, she had had that sense in her heart. Well, one day, she decides to go to the tabernacle while her family was there. Again, they didn't just go one day. They migrated there for nine to ten days and then hung out there near the tabernacle, did their sacrificing and worshiping, and then they made their way home. So while they were there at the tabernacle, this wife went in to uh, the priest, and she started to pray quietly and, and began to say, God, if you'll give me a son, then I will give him to you all the days of his life. If you'll give me a son, I'll dedicate him to following you all the days of his life. So what happens then, if you go down to chapter 3, verse 1. Samuel, the Bible says, when he was weaned, his mommy brought him to the tabernacle and left him there, right? Now understand this. In this century, when a child was weaned, weaning was like a three-step process. The first weaning was from the mother's breasts, right? And so the infant would there, mother's breasts. And the second weaning was from milk or being fed by themselves. And the third weaning was when they were about 13. And at 13, a young boy would have what was in the Jewish world called the bar mitzvah when he would become 13 at the age of accountability and become available to becoming a man. Chances are fairly likely this young mommy brought her 13-year-old to the temple and said, now that my child is weaned from childhood, he is now to serve the Lord all the days of his life. Get the picture? And let me just tell you this. If any of you have in mind to drop your 13-year-old off here, <laughs> I will give him back. <laughs> and then bill you. No, I'm telling you, right? So <laughs> don't want your 13-year-old or your 12-year-old or here we go, 1 Samuel chapter 3. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel was serving the Lord by assisting Eli the priest. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli the priest, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly, the Lord called out to Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He jumped to his feet and he ran to Eli. Here I am. What do you need? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. And again, he jumped and ran to Eli. Here I am, he said. What do you need? I didn't call you, my son. Eli said, now go back to bed. Samuel didn't know the Lord because he had, not, he had never had a message from the Lord before. So now the Lord called a third time. Once more, 
Samuel jumped up and ran to Eli. Here I am, he said. What do you need? Then Eli realized that it was the Lord that was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go lie down again. If someone calls you again, say, yes, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord came and called before, as he called before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied to the Lord, yes, your servant is listening. I love this story, and, and you can continue reading, and I hope you do. Because God was wanting to speak to the nation of Israel, and he used somebody who had not heard the voice of God before. But there's just something about this passage that, that, that helps me to see how and how not to hear the voice of God. And most of us in our everyday life have that, have, we have an understanding of Samuel, right? We're, we're just like, um, we hear something, we're not sure if it's God, and we're like, I don't know. Uh, a lot of us just jump into it assuming it must be God, so we run with whatever it is. I love the fact that God was so persistent and so kind and so continually saying, Samuel, Samuel, he whispered. There wasn't this tearing of heaven and shouting down and buck up, buddy, I got a word for you kind of thunder from heaven. It was just a sweet whisper. I love how God spoke to Samuel. And I love how God speaks to us. I just feel like sometimes we're just a little confused. So here's my hope today. My hope today is to tell you how to hear the voice of the Lord. But instead of just telling you the four easy steps on how to hear God's voice this morning, I want to tell you how not to hear the voice of the Lord. This morning, I want to tell you four ways how not to hear God's voice. I want to tell you four things that we typically do in in, in believing we're hearing God's voice, but really four ways to know when you're not hearing God's voice. Too often we think we are, but here's four ways to know that you're not. Deal? Here we go. Number one, how do you know you're not hearing the voice of the Lord? You know you're not hearing the voice of the Lord when you hear a voice in your head and you don't want to receive counsel or check it by the Bible. You'll know that you're not hearing the voice of the Lord like I did when I was in college. I didn't want to run it past my spiritual leader. I didn't want to run it past the actual Bible that says you started something and you should finish it and all that. I didn't want to have to, to, to run it by people I trust. I, just, I wanted to just stay private. I can tell you this, if there's one common thread about the enemy, his voice always wants to stay private. His voice always wants to stay quiet and shrouded and personal. (laughs) Can I tell you one thing about God's voice? That it doesn't ever have to be private. God's voice can always be public. It can always be checked and tested. It can always be examined by people who spend more time with the Lord than you do and, and read their Bibles a little longer and more often than you. It can always be checked. Too often we think that ourselves that our word that we're getting from God doesn't need to be checked at all. First Samuel 3.8 says, Now then the Lord called a third time. Once more, Samuel jumped and ran to Eli. Here I am. What do you need? Eli said, Go lie down again. If someone calls you again, say, Yes, Lord, your servant is listening. God's voice is never afraid to be checked. The enemy's voice is always afraid to be checked. God's voice is never afraid to to be asked, hey, does this sound like God or not? God's never afraid of that question. The enemy is always afraid of that question. 
When you hear something, go uh, buy the farm or sell the farm or leave your wife or go uh, be in a relationship with that guy, move in with her. Well, all the things that happen in our culture that we blame God for. If you were to run it by someone spiritual, more spiritual than you perhaps, that knows God a little better than you, or if you were to check by the Bible and see if it's a good idea for you to leave your spouse to go with that person, You can run that by the Bible, and I promise you, you're not going to see the answer you want. God is never afraid to be checked. He's never going to contradict his Bible. Somebody say amen. (laughs) The problem is, is most of us don't know our Bibles enough to know that the Bible is never going to contradict it. God's word will never contradict it. We don't know our Bibles enough to be able to say, let me test it by the word of God. That's why I tell you, find some people who who bend their knee faster than you do. (laughs) Find some people who journey the course with Jesus a little longer than you. And the people who read their Bibles a little more than you do. And submit yourself in relationship to them. Hmm. Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5.20 says this. Don't scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said and hold on to what is good. 1 John 4, 1 says this, Dear friends, don't believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. Uh, Let me rephrase that in a manner. I think that makes a little more sense to each of us. My dear friends, don't believe every word that claims to speak by the Spirit of God. You must test them to see if if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets and many false voices, if you will, in the world. Hmm. There's too many of us that live in the the God told me zone and we hang out there and we stand firm on it and we find ourselves in years to come running ourselves into crazy brick walls. I remember I was one time, I I was pastoring at this church I planted years ago and had this young family, this, this, young, this young mom, dad, uh, it was a husband, wife, and a little, little a child or two. I don't remember exactly, but they had a couple of little kids. Husband lost his job. Mommy was a stay-at-home mommy. <coughs> Excuse me. The dad had been super distraught about his finances, naturally, right? He was like trying to get work, and he couldn't find work, and he was so frustrated. It was around 2006 when the economy kind of went crazy. And, and come on, there's a bunch of people feeling the same way. So he was right in that moment, and he was, he was like making deals with God. God, if I, if I, if I, if I. And so I remember one, gosh, it must have been one Saturday. I was at home, and I, I looked out my window, and uh, at the time we lived in this little housing uh, development. And I remember seeing a car drive by, not recognizing it. But you just happened to, my, it was a van, I think, and I caught the glimpse of it running, driving by. And then I looked up again and just happened to notice it drive by the other way. And, and then I was like, well, I wonder what that guy was doing. And I looked out again and, and just happened to be like a third or fourth time drive by my house. And I was thinking like, that's weird. Next thing you know, it stops in front of my house. A guy pulls in to my driveway and gets out and comes to the door. As he's walking to the door, I recognize him as the guy from church, the guy who had lost his job, the guy who has been so distraught as to how God was going to take care of this and what he was going to do. And so I remember walking up to uh, the door and answering it. And I was like, hey, I said his name. And he goes, Pastor, and he looks at me, and he, he, he reaches into his coat, and he pulls out a check, and he goes, and he hands it to me like that, just, and I was like, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, are you okay? And he's like, God told me I'm supposed to bring this check to you. And so I was like, hey, uh, before I look at this thing, I'm just curious, like, 
what do you mean God told you? Because I wanted to just talk to him a little bit and figure out where this came from. He was like, I'm just telling you, God told me to do this. I'm supposed to do this in faith, so take it. And I was like, okay. And in my heart, I'm wrestling through, like, am I supposed to just do this? Because I know he has no money. And so, so I only know that because he had told me the week before, I got no money, right? And so I was like, okay. So I said to him, I said, hey, man, let, let's talk to you about this for a second. First of all, first question, does your wife know you're here? No. I was like, okay. Second question. Is there money in the bank to cover this? Just checking. He goes, no. But I'm doing it in faith. (laughs) Opened up the check. It was a $1,000 check. And I said, okay, look. Let me be your pastor friend for a minute. The God told me language just leapt off the page. Let's go back and look at this. First of all, Never make a financial decision without consulting your spouse, right? That's not going to be good. The Bible says to know, oh, oh, no man anything, and writing checks that you can't cover is equally bad. So, so I'm just going to tell you, I, I'm going to give this back to you and tell you, well done in terms of stepping out and trying to trust God. But listen, not well done in listening to the voice of God. So let's do this better. Let's talk about how to receive God's voice, how to hear it, and then how to walk financially out in a responsible way. He's like, whoo! Thanks. <laughs> we went through the process. Now, there are Christians who said to me, Lance, you stole, you stole the gift from somebody. I'm like, no, 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 man. I saved us both a bunch of grief. Because it would have been terribly embarrassing for our bookkeeper to contact him and say, hey, that check you gave bounced. Because then he gets a fee, we get a fee, everything's a mess. And so I was like, look, dude, we're going to make this thing through together. More importantly, the lesson is this. How do we hear God's voice before we make a big, big mess? God is not afraid to be checked. God is not afraid to be looked at. God is not afraid to say that voice you're hearing in your head. He's not afraid to be tested by the word of God. He'll never contradict his word. He never will. And so we, we go back and we look at what God's word says. And we see as, as what his word says is most important. Listen to this. You will never know. Write this down. You will never know what God has to say about your situation until you know what God's already said in his word about it. You'll never know what God has to say about your situation until you know what he's already said in his word. You'll never know what he's going to say because he'll never contradict his word. He'll never contradict his word. Second way that we are not to hear, that that, uh, we think we're hearing God's voice, but we're not. Number two, the voice we hear comes out of thin air. Just comes out of thin air. As, as a shock to you. There's too many of us that get this idea that somehow we're hearing God's voice and it's, it's just out of thin air. We've been just meandering along life. Let me tell you this. God's word never just pops out of thin air and fills you with anxiety. Now, now listen, there might, be, uh, there might be a corrective measure to God's word that causes you to have to respond and act. But God's, listen to this. God's word will always be familiar to you. It'll always be a peaceful word. God's desire is to speak to us to bring us towards peace. If he asks you to do something like confess sin or um, reconcile or get forgiveness or seek for or, or give forgiveness rather, then at that point it might be difficult for you. It might feel anxious because you have to walk something out. But God will never just badger you. I love how God so sweetly spoke to Samuel. This is a guy, I love so sweetly how God spoke to Samuel. Can I tell you this one thing that's interesting to me? The Bible says that Samuel, this 13-year-old, by the way, almost man, 
in that age, right? This 13-year-old who had spent a bunch of his years being weaned, and I say that with all due respect, because the weaning process after being weaned from the breast, his entire life was set apart to learn the words of God. A young 13-year-old Jewish boy would have known more scripture than any of us in this room. They were required to memorize entire books like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. They were like entire books memorized. They knew the words of God. They knew the law of God. This young 13-year-old, get this, the Bible says that he slept near the ark of God in the tabernacle. Right? Translation, you and I know that the ark of God was where the presence of God would sit when sacrifices were made. The ark of God was this box that had the, uh, it had the, uh, the showbread, or it had the bread in it, the manna, and it had a jar, and it had all the stuff inside of it, the Ten Commandments, all that stuff. It was inside this box called the ark with two big angel wings on it. The Bible says that this guy, Samuel, slept basically on a cot near that. Listen to this. He spent time in his life close to the presence of God and didn't recognize God's voice. There are so many of us who are so close to spending time with God and not knowing how to hear his voice. Just because you live in proximity to the voice of God speaking doesn't mean you're going to get it. We need to slow down and say, God, then how is it that I'm to hear your voice? God's voice is familiar. God's voice is, he'll speak to you. And then and he'll, I love the fact that God is, uh, he's not urgent, but he's persistent. God will always come back until you get the message. And he's, he'll never badger you. He's not a machine gun. God's not going to go, come on, come on, come on. That's not the voice of God. God will always woo you. Hey, hey, don't forget. You have that issue. Hey, hey, don't forget. That, that thing is causing you to walk with a limp. Hey, don't forget, get, get forgiveness, seek forgiveness rather, give forgiveness to that person that you're harboring that bitterness towards. It's, it's hurting you. And God will always speak to you, always speak to you because his goal is peace. The enemy will always badger you. The enemy will always tell you, you're, you're terrible, you, 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 you. In fact, I wrote down a couple of things that the enemy says to us typically. Here's some of the words that the enemy will say to us. He'll say, this situation's hopeless. He'll say, you blew it last time, you're going to blow it again. He'll say, you're no good, you're too timid, you're too stupid, too shy, too ugly. He'll say, no one cares about you. You're up there all alone. Give up, run away. You're a failure. It's too late to fix it. Nothing you can do will help now. God's mad at you. God will never help someone like you. Everyone else gets good stuff, but not you. He'll go on to say, because he's a destroyer. Listen to this. God will make sure that he'll get you so wrapped up into your stuff that you get so confused. He'll make you focus on your inner wounds so much that you'll get numb to hearing the true voice of God. So many of us get so, these, the words, even the phrases I said sound so familiar to some of you. Because many of you, if I look at your faces, I can see you saying, but Lance, you don't understand. I made a really dumb choice. I made a really foolish decision or somebody really hurt me. And as the result of those kinds of things, we then begin to superimpose the enemy's voice over God's voice. And can't hear clearly. God is never like that. His voice is always to lead you towards peace. Number three, another way that you know you're not hearing God's voice. God's voice is never urgent. 
His voice is never urgent. God's not in a hurry. He's not in a hurry. God's like, get on with it. Hurry up, hurry up, because you're going to go crazy. God's never like that. He'll always woo you gently. He's not urgent. He's not in a hurry. Why? Because he knows what tomorrow's going to bring. He's never in a hurry. He knows what's a coming. That's why I think it's amazing to me when someone will come up to me and they'll say to me, hey, pastor, I have a prophetic word that I need to share to the church. And sometimes I'll say this, hey, thank you so much. That's awesome. Do me a favor, would you? Would you write that down and and send it to me in an email so that I can take it before my staff and perhaps my council, have them read it. We'll check it by the word of God to see if that's really from heaven because it's actually in the Bible to do that. I'll say that and they look at me with like eyes like, you're just supposed to say yes. You're supposed to just hand me a microphone. <laughs> you know what? I, and I tell them things like this. Hey, God can plan in advance. He's not in a hurry. If God wants to share something with his church, he can share it with them next week. And he would have known that I was going to say that. So he'll tell you in advance. If you have a word from God, send it to me in an email. We'll check it by the word of God. And we'll speak it next week. I think he can plan ahead. Because that's what God said to do, to check everything by the words of God. And too much of our Pentecostal expression is so, God told me i got to do this thing right now, and there's this urgency behind it, and we end up shipwrecking ourselves and others around us. And we allow this Pentecostal, uh, and I say that with quotes, this, this Pentecostal kind of freedom that we have to, to, to lead us down crazy paths. God is speaking, but he's never urgent and in a hurry. God will always speak gently. He'll always lead us towards peace. His heart's desire is to bring us into the place of understanding not to freak us out. Hmm. I was amazing to me how when God spoke to Samuel, he spoke to him. It says the, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. Translation, super early in the morning. I mean, who knows? Could have been three, four in the morning. Super early in the morning. And I think to myself, like, why is that important to be included in the Bible that the lamp of God had not yet gone out? God spoke to Samuel. Uh, there's theological reasons for it, but what, in, in a, a non-theological reason, because I think at three in the morning, we're less distractible. I think at three in the morning, God can speak because we got less stuff going on. And the text messages aren't coming in. And we actually might listen. That's why God will speak to you at night at times because I feel like we're less distracted. And God will give you dreams and he'll speak to you. And it's okay. I love the fact I have a friend of mine, Carol, who will take a dream and she'll write it down. And then she'll test it by the word of God. Then she'll talk to other people who know God as well as she does or better. And then she'll say, tell me what this says. And she'll go back to the Lord and say, let's test it again. Let's test it again. Because God's word is always testable. And it's never urgent. I'm trying to divide that home because so many of us feel this. God told me I must. I must buy the boat someday. I got to get the loan now. I need to move here to go there. Yeah. As if it's like this. God's never like that. In fact, you could even go to the bank with this. The moment you feel urgency, it's probably not God. Amen. God will tell you in advance. Why does God want you to put other people and the scripture around a a word from him? You know why? One one, one reason. Confirmation. He wants to bring confirmation to it. It's okay for you to hear something from God and say this to the Lord. God, I think that's you. Will you confirm that to me? Either through your word or someone else who, who knows you like I do? And let God bring confirmation to that. Amen? Finally, or number four. Fourth way we know that we're not hearing God's voice. The enemy's voice eventually fades. The enemy's voice eventually fades. I love how God went back four different times. Three times when Samuel didn't understand, and the fourth when Samuel finally said, your servant's listening. 
God's just, he's going to be persistent. He's not a badger. He's not going to beat you up. But he'll always be persistent and say, hey, don't forget that issue. Don't forget that thing. I got something for you. I so desperately want us to realize that God in his grace wants to speak to his people. But I know that we live in a world that says, this is how God thinks now because God's progressive. And God thinks this way now, and God will bless this or do this. And I'm going to tell you this. We can go back to the words of God that have been there for thousands of years and say, what is it that you say about this decision, God? What is it that you say about this moment, God? And be able to stand on that because God doesn't change. That God doesn't change. And he made us the way he made us. And when we want to hear what it is that God has to say about a situation, we can trust what he's already said. Amen. I so desperately want us to realize this, this hotline moment. I want us to be able to grab our, our, our phones, if you will, and, and put them up to our ear and, and know that there's no one else on the line because it's a hotline. There's no one else coming in and saying, no, 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 think about this and think about that and think about this. Then we can look at God and say, God, what do you have to say? We can say, God, I'm here. I'm listening. What are you saying to me about this relationship? What are you saying to me about my job? What are you saying to me about my finances? Okay. And listen to what he has to say. And allow God begin to show you in his peace and his love and his care for you that it's not some sort of a, a, a machine gun trying to coax you into something. God doesn't need to coax anyone into anything. He loves you. I want you to come back for these next three weeks as we spend time trying to hear what it is that he has to say and how it is that prayer lines up with what it is that God has for us in communicating to him. Will you join me as we pray? God, this morning as we spent time in your word, God, we know that the enemy is a liar. He makes us not want to seek counsel from your word or from others. His voice isn't familiar. His voice is always urgent. And his message always fades. Lord, I pray today that as men and women, we would come and, and maybe redirect to what we have called your voice to listening to what your word already says, to listening to what your spirit is saying that lines up with your word. Lord, help us not run and try to make stuff up and blame it on you. Maybe that's happened in your life. If that's the case, I want you to just say, Jesus, forgive me where I've, I've run off course and, and, and given you the blame. God, speak to your people. I know you are. As Samuel said, your servant is listening. Have your way, God. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never... You've never known the voice of God. You've never sent, uh, allowed yourself to become a Christian. Maybe like Samuel, you've been near God, but you, you never have really actually known him. Maybe this morning is a day that you come to a relationship to know him personally. If that's you, I want you to say, Jesus, I give my life to you. Your servant's listening. I need you. If that's you, say, Jesus, I give you all of my sin for all of your purity all of your freedom. I want to become a Christian today. In Jesus' name.
Amen.